0: And Peter, welcome to Happy Hour. Hey. hey. Good to be here. Thanks, Tyler. Well, it's uh, Friday afternoon, heading into the Labor Day weekend, guys. And uh, we're just sitting back, having a beer, enjoying uh, what will be a great weekend. Erica Sears is joining us, not a podcast host on the American Shoreline Podcast Network, but Erica is, in fact, in Austin, sitting right in front of us. Erica, it's great to have you here.
1: Hey, it's great to be here, even though I am melting,
0: <laughs> Welcome to Texas. Thanks for yeah. the beer. Yeah. In town from Oregon. Uh, now, Erica, what are your plans this holiday weekend?
1: My friends, Bailey Hayes and Matthew Stewart, are getting married at Dripping Springs, which is the wedding hotspot, apparently, right. it of is Austin. Indeed. Yeah.
0: We, we do. Austin is kind of a, a wedding destination hub, and Dripping Springs is a beautiful kind of small town. About an hour outside of here in the hill country. In the hill country, yeah. But is
1: the wedding outside? how is it outside? <laughs> she was, talk, was talking to Bailey and I'm like I'm trying to be really cool. I know you guys are having a cold front but like what if I pass out during the wedding? And she's like we have a time so it'll be like six minutes. <laughs> like, wow. Is that how it goes here?
0: <laughs> it gets really hot especially if you're from uh, a cooler climate. Uh, mm-hmm. It's It takes a while to acclimate, right? It, it does. I, I, I have to tell you I had that experience a couple weeks ago.
2: I had my family reunion here. 50 people, 50 of the Ravellas came to Austin, from New York, from Seattle, from a lot of the northern climes, and uh, it was 108 degrees. <laughs> and we had we had dinner in a tent in my backyard, and I, we, we we rented air conditioners. And let me tell you. I was pretty comfortable but I know the out-of-towners were suffering from the heat
1: it's and- like reverse it doesn't make sense so usually like in Oregon it's cold outside you have your hoodie on and you go into your house it is warm you take the hoodie off In Austin it's very hot outside and then you go inside and it's so cold you put a jacket on inside right. your own right. home or your office
2: uh, not widely known Austin Texas is the southernmost state capital in the United States
0: how about that a little yeah. piece of uh, trivia <laughs> yeah. here on Friday Happy That's Hour? Right. Now this is a very special Friday Happy Hour. It's will be our last Friday Happy Hour of our first year of existence. This is actually our our final show of our first year. Peter, do you have any anything you would like to oh, say one man. year uh, one year in? Yeah. Well,
2: I, it really is. I think we have to pause and and thank everybody who stayed with Coastal News today this year, supported us through the year. And on American Shoreline Podcast Network, I want to say thank you to all of our hosts, Tyler, the, the people who've contributed to the network, uh, Derek Brockbank in the Capital Beach Podcast, uh, Howard Marlowe in the Waterlog Podcast, Dan Martin, Next Gen Waterfronts, uh, you know, who else we got? We got uh, Rob Nixon with the catch with with the the Next Swell podcast, and and I'm really happy to hear uh That uh, Rob is going to be back doing shows starting in September. So, Jenna Valente. Jenna Valente. Leslie Ewing. That's right. Jenna Valente up in Boston, who's done an incredible job of hosting shows this year. I think her shows are spectacular on environmental advocacy. And uh, she does really great. And uh, so I want to thank all of our hosts who've contributed to the network this year and all of the listeners, the tens of thousands, which is literally true, tens of thousands of listeners that we've had this year. Really a spectacular first year and so looking forward to the next year.
0: Uh, I would echo all of that. It has been just an honor to have the opportunity to do this and um, bring the conversations and stories from around the American shoreline uh, to this awesome audience. And, uh, Peter, when we started this a year ago and launched the podcast network, I don't think we had any idea... Uh, where it would be exactly a year later. And I have to say, uh, having done it and uh, had the opportunity to speak with so many awesome people, yeah, incre- world-leading scientists on, on subjects, and U.S. senators, and uh, people like Erica, who mm-hmm. are working on the Oregon coast uh, in the tourism space, just people who really know their stuff and are contributing to the American shoreline in and, and all sorts of amazing ways. It has been just yeah. a, a pleasure and an honor. It has, and I, and I want a special shout-out to the folks at the National Hurricane Center.
2: Uh, this weekend, uh, Hurricane Dorian is making its way to the Florida coast today. Uh, the word is right now it's going to be a major storm at least maybe a category three potentially a, fl- a four impacting somewhere on the Florida coast on the Atlantic shore side uh, so all of the folks down in Florida our best wishes for a a relatively safe and quiet weekend to the extent that can happen with this latest hurricane and uh, and our folks uh, we've had the pleasure of interviewing from the National Hurricane Center we want to uh, all of the great work they do at NOAA and Uh, in that department. We're just uh, thinking about them this weekend going into the going into Memorial Labor Day.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Definitely a big storm. And man, we know Erica that just the tourism uh, impact of this storm already is going to be millions and millions and millions of dollars there in Florida. Folks leaving the state for sure. I'm sure reservations
2: not getting filled this weekend because of the threat of that storm in Florida. Uh, And the economic impact of that just in lost value in tourism is substantial.
1: And it's tough, too, because even, you know, when it passes and they're saying we're ready for more visitors, people just keep thinking like hurricane, hurricane. So they might not go. And like for how long for how long will they not go? And those communities will need it more than ever. Right. That people want to be respectful or they're too afraid to go. So it's going to be a tough situation.
0: They're going to have to pull themselves out. Fortunately, in Florida, they are. Uh, familiar with how to recover and pull themselves back out and... um You know, it seems like with each passing year, we get better and better and better at responding in the aftermath. One of the things that we think about quite a bit is how to prepare ahead of time because it is not cheap uh, by any means. Now, one of the things, Peter, uh, that I'm reminded of is our interview with Paul Komar. Uh, One of our first big time scholarly interviews from, Mm. I believe, the great state of Florida or not Florida, uh, Oregon, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, Oregon Oregon State, Oregon State, Professor
2: Emeritus at Oregon State University Hmm. uh, in Oceanography and Hydrology.
0: That's right. Literally wrote the book on sediment transport. He did. He literally wrote the book. (laughs) Uh, The the story of the the writing of that book is
2: in that podcast. You have to go look it up and listen to it. Uh, Paul Komar, amazing guy. And here's what's funny: this thing was published in 1970. He as he got out of his PhD program, he wrote this book, which became the textbook of of coastal sediment transport uh, which is available, as he told us, online. Uh, in what was it, eBay? You can buy it for fifteen hundred dollars if you want an original yeah. copy. I mean, <laughs> like the a, vintage it's version a, of vi- it. Yeah, if you want the actual vintage. But yeah, he's an incredibly well-respected
0: uh, researcher. Well, Doctor Doctor Komar studied the Oregon coast uh, quite a bit, mm-hmm. and uh, in fact, was I believe paid by uh, the Oregon uh, government. S- I think sea grant. C. He C. Grant, was fund- right. funded by Oregon Sea grant and. Uh, really went into uh, how wave action is impacting the Oregon coast mm-hmm. and uh, the tsunami threat. He's one of those scientists that, that work on how that's going to work out. And uh, interestingly to the Oregon coast, he also worked in New Zealand, uh, oh, one of your okay. tourism uh, connections. Why don't you, you, everyone, listen to Monday's show. Uh, Erica is on the American Shoreline podcast on Monday, Labor Day, and we go into all of the details of... Uh, t- the tourism marketing and hospitality uh, strategy that goes into marketing the Oregon coast and how they do that. But tell us a little bit about this affinity with uh, New Zealand and Oregon in the tourism industry.
1: Yeah, so we love New Zealand. They're like our biggest crush, and for a couple of different <laughs> reasons. <laughs> It's just a beautiful piece of land. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you hear about um, destination management, like the perfect student is New Zealand. They have a lot of public-private partnerships. Um, and they have like their trails, which connect, which is like a national park that works with private lodging so that visitors are having this amazing experience which we're trying to do on the oregon coast with the oregon coast trail um we love the kind of visitors that come from new zealand because they're outdoor recreationalists they want to get outdoors and we have a lot of those products on the oregon coast mountain biking hiking kayaking surfing hunting fishing horseback riding all of the above um so, yeah, we love you, New Zealand, if you're listening.
0: Active folks down there in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you when you imagine, when in your mind's eye, you think of New Zealand, I think of that, you know, really interesting topography, yes. the ocean meets these kind of, and that's that's kind of or similar. Right, and that's the, what
1: they say in the case study, is they have, the, like, the geography like we have, and they're roughly about the same size. Um, so there's a lot of similarities we have with them. I don't know if they like us as much as we like them. We hope so.
2: Well, I've never been there. It is on my long-term list of things to do is get to New Zealand. Um, What's interesting about that uh, perspective about active-based recreational tourism, this is one of the topics for uh, Dan Martin's show. Uh, He hosts a podcast. uh, He's from Chicago. He's a recreational economist. And Mm -hmm. what he does is advises communities on investment to build the right kind of Infrastructure and the right kind of uh, attractions, with the emerging changes in how people are recreating, and he has told us, in, in on some of his shows, are really great shows. Um, But he's talked about this. He said the days of building high rise condominiums and having folks, you know, get up to the 10th floor and sit in their condo and go out on the balcony and look over the water is no longer the preferred recreational uh, practice of the emerging generation. The younger people coming up, young families, they want to bring their Mountain bikes, they want their jogging strollers. they want to be on a trail. they want to be outside. They're not interested in going to a golf course. And so communities <laughs> that are he does, and he talks it about is the, true. We he have talks that. about the redevelopment yeah, he, of golf courses. this did. is no longer the preferred recreational activity. People want to hike and recreate. Uh, young families we have that
1: as a line item in our budget new and emerging rec
2: okay and we're
1: all about it and i actually went to the capitol and presented on the importance of outdoor recreation in the coastal economy Hmm. i'm like giving this charismatic presentation you know i'm like joking around and then the next presentation was like osu talking about wave studies and sediment it's like whoa we are (laughs) same area very different. you're
0: in our wheelhouse (laughs) and notice to our audience that we have all of this on the american shoreline podcast network I mean, we really do go out of our way to try to cover the full spectrum of the coastal conversation
2: we do and it, it really comes down erica what we 're trying to talk about here is what are the uh, the economic sectors of importance, and how do we how do we engage and relate to and react to uh, the the coastline the land water interface and it 's a unique space all around the American coast i mean People come to the coast with a particular mindset, really, but it is the land of fisheries. It's the land of real estate investment. It's the land of recreation and tourism. These are the industries of the coast. And what we're trying to do really uh, is to bring the conversation together so that you're not just talking about tourism, but you're talking about tourism in the context of port development and real estate development because what those other sectors are doing directly affects the industry that you practice. And the more you know about the landscape, that's kind of our theory. The more you know about the coastal landscape, the better practitioner of your trade you can be. That's kind of our theory. And why we're. I like it. You know, I don't know. It's a kind of a renaissance theory. You have to know the
0: landscape. It's, it's not dissimilar to what y'all are doing with the People's Coast Summit coming up in October. Uh, in Garibaldi, Oregon, uh, I'll let you give the details here in just a second. But um, where you bring all of these different industries, whether you're a restaurant owner, these are tour- coastal tourism stakeholders. All of them are invited. Whether you're from the Surfrider Foundation or whether you're a uh, you run a pizzeria in a in a beach town, you can come to this conference. This fishing guide, hotel ex- operator, ex- correct, that, all that, all of these folks. I mean. Uh, And all come together and have a a connection and learn about what everyone else is doing, which, uh, well, I'll let you tell us why that's so valuable.
1: It is so valuable (laughs) to continue networking and understanding exactly what you just said, how we can all interact with each other and that we're not working in silos. You know, it's not every man for himself. It's we really rely on each other's businesses and as a community working together and having these goals together as a community is definitely a lot stronger. Um, So, yes, we have our annual People's Coast Summit in Garibaldi, Oregon on October 7th and 8th. And for more information, you can look on eventbrite.com. Just search for the, the People's Coast in Garibaldi.
0: We have a, a host uh, out there, Thane. T- Thane Tinsent from Portland, Oregon. a host of the Sea Change podcast on the right. American Shoreline Podcast mm-hmm. Network. They tend to cover uh, environmental issues specifically related to fisheries. And, um Man, maybe he should come down and and attend this thing. That would be cool. We should he, he
2: he should. And Thane is a good friend of mine from up in Portland when I used to live up in Portland. Mm-hmm. A really smart lawyer handles a lot of fisheries litigation up there. Uh, does a really interesting show. Highlight of the one of the highlights of the year on ASPN was uh the, on the Sea Change podcast, they had the president of Ireland, the former president of Ireland, on as a guest. That was kind of a stunning early, it was get for the network that the uh, former president of Ireland was uh, was on on ASPM. But I wanted to uh, I wanted to uh, throw out our interview that we just completed with Joe Falcone from uh, yeah. Half Moon Bay and ask you about this. This is a show that came out last week. Uh, Joe Falcone develops. Uh, uh, phone applications, phone apps for visitor communities on the coast. So when you come to, he does this in Half Moon Bay and San Mateo Harbor District, when people come to visit from San Francisco and are unfamiliar with the town, don't know where the restaurants are, don't know what the cool art shops are, don't know how to buy fish or where to get to the beach, they develop these custom built visitor applications. Have you come across this kind of thing where individual communities are building phone apps where they get all of the information of where to find the cool stuff in the towns they're going to?
1: Yes, so people love apps. They bring it up all the time but what you have to consider is who will manage it. Businesses come and go all the time, especially in smaller towns. They might just be like, oh, I'm going to just be closed today. And people show up with their apps and they're like, yeah. but my app says. Uh. And you're like, okay, well, reality is the doors are shut here. Um, so it is great to have those communication pieces so that people know how to find things. But it's you know that's one side of it. The other side is it's really successful if you have a community that has the capacity to update the information right. and make sure that it's accurate it so that a visitor is not having that frustrating experience yeah. and like using the app like it's the Bible it, or something. Yeah, because
2: that is going to be a really downer if you're like, I'm so looking forward to going to this particular restaurant or buying fish from this particular shop, and you get there and it's not there that day.
1: Right, and businesses say, like, that app or that website was incorrect, and now I'm getting a negative review on TripAdvisor mm. because the reality doesn't match the technology. And so then they ask, like, so what do we do, Erica? I'm like, oh, my
2: God. Well, you know, Joe Falcon. <laughs> I mean, this I would just you say this for all up. the folks out there is take a listen to the Exploring Mobile Applications on the American Shoreline podcast. It came out August 25th uh, with Joe Falcone. He's with Fondini Partners. This is what they, they very custom built, but obviously, like everything else, uh, the information going into that application has to be really good, or
0: it's not going to be good.
1: Right, and I wonder, too, like, there's some spots in the Oregon coast, there is no phone service.
0: Well, actually, that's you know, so one, of the, one of the things about this. Um, one of the apps that they've built there for Half Moon Bay is... For a singular event, the Pumpkin Festival. Oh. And they actually have uh, a very limited number of cell towers. And during this festival, a couple hundred thousand people show up. Mm -hmm. And it overwhelms the cell towers. So the cell towers actually go down. So into their app design, everything is downloaded. Like when you download the app, it is... It's populated. It's completely populated. It's not streaming in any additional data.
1: Gotcha. Um, Mm -hmm. So
0: it allows people to come in, very importantly, find parking spots. This is one of the uh, really big challenges. We see this all over the American shoreline. You have a town of, say, 5,000 people, but during spring break, during the Pumpkin Festival, during the Fourth of July, the population balloons up to 50,000 or more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, how do you manage this influx of people, not only from simply a parking? perspective right it's really hard to do and so these apps I think do have a a purpose and the other you know component here that I'm sure you deal with is just the psychology of your tourist mm-hmm. um, increasingly uh, certainly people of my generation uh, man we we've got that we've got our little computer in our pockets and we know how to use it mm-hmm. it's an important part of how we pick restaurants how we uh, decide where to go and what to do and
1: how to find a place and how to
0: uh, navigation you
1: know when someone's when like an, an older person will be like okay you're just going to go east for about a mile <laughs> and a half and you're going to take a right and I'm like uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh. to <laughs>
2: the tree <laughs> go to the tree second light it's
1: a lovely tree it's been there and my uh-huh. grandmother you're know, like what <laughs> when
2: you see the gas station go one street past that and then but you got a hard left and then you got to kind of loop back I, I remember this <laughs> we, used to get, I mean, right. we all used to get lost all the time right when
1: the breeze moves your hair to the left <laughs> turn right
2: <laughs> no we just get a satellite now and, and get an image and we're like okay where is it right give me the. Give me the right um but um yeah so I, I mean so you're down here i mean austin is a is a booming town a little bit like portland i think there's a lot of people who compare totally uh, austin we're both and, weird places it's a little bit weird booming getting more expensive uh really changing the economic t- dynamics and access to the city um how has your stay been is this your first trip? Tell us about your impressions of this city.
1: Yeah, this is my first time in Austin. It's been really exciting. I've been here all week staying in my apartment, my friend's apartment. So thank you, Alex. Um, it's been really cool. And I I think because it's so warm here, there is so much to do outside. Like, people are just outside all the time, and mm-hmm. it's not like that where I'm from. And I love Barton Springs.
2: Did you go? Okay. I because went, I'm have going to,
1: again tonight. I
2: am too. I will be there tonight. Yes, uh, you can see. Each we other. are going tonight. Yes. I mean, when it's this hot, it is the one way to sort of like strip off the anxiety and stress of the day yeah, to I hope you'll jump. be using
1: the diving board.
0: Of course, I do. I'll score you from the I other totally side. Hold on do. a second. I got to tee this up. <laughs> I got to tee this up. <laughs> so, uh, the American Podcast, American Shoreline Podcast Network audience might not be aware mm-hmm. that Peter Ravella just celebrated a big birthday party. I did. And <clears throat> for Peter's birthday party, uh, he. Committed himself to doing what he described to me as a one and a halfer. I did <laughs> off the diving board. If <laughs> I haven't Ridge. done it in 20 years, I'm like, what? I'm going to do a one and a half. It's is that, been. Is that yes.
1: happening tonight?
2: No, that was that was last weekend. That was on the 24th, and I did do it. I mean, I I I went and you know I did not try it in advance of my birthday. That would have been but cheating. No, you just got to go and do but it. I, what I,
1: is a one and a half? You know, a
2: one and a half flip. So I, you know, do a flip and then a dive. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, right. and I used to do these a lot when I was when I was a young young man, and and I was pretty good on that stuff. But I haven't done it in a long time, so I I committed to my kid. I'm like, you got to come, you got to do the film. You take my iPhone. I'm going to do this. This is going to be my my birthday thing, and and I did, and I did three. You did three of them, and I have to say that they're. Pretty feeble. I would not give it a high score. I mean, I, uh, let's just say in my mind's eye, I thought I could do it a lot better. But I'm going to go do some more tonight. I'm gonna like I'm gonna perfect it. I'm gonna try to learn how to get, get We're it back in style. We'll track down these videos and put them up on our social. <laughs> <No> what was, was, <laughs> was the lifeguard yelling at you?
1: Like goggles off, sir. Goggles right. off.
2: No goggles. No shoes on the on the Barton Springs uh, diving board. Not allowed. I mean, I. So you've been to Barton. Springs. Tell us what your impression was. Isn't it amazing?
1: I thought it was super cool. I'm like, this is really great. And then the water was cold. Yeah. Yeah. I was like... I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, And I was, my friend is from Seattle and she just moved here. So it was like having somebody from the Pacific Northwest, the same perspective as as mine telling me like, this is how they do it here. This is what they wear here. This is what they're like here. (laughs) Everyone's super young. And then I hung out with my friend yesterday who's from Austin. She's like, no, this is how we always do it. And and I was talking to her about queso. Oh, Uh,
0: queso. And I
1: got to the restaurant and my friend that's from Seattle is like, let's try queso. And I'm like, with what? she's like what do you mean i'm like i mean is it just cheese like do we get bread or chips or anything and she's like duh we get chips i'm like so it's nachos she's just
2: (sighs) no it's queso And and good queso is great i mean there are some really good queso places
1: it was amazing i loved it i loved it yeah yeah so
2: tell us who's getting married and let's do give it we should this is the friday happier i think we should give a toast to your friends who are getting married tell us about your friends who are they
1: again it's bailey hayes
2: Bailey Hayes and
1: Matt Stewart, but everyone calls him Stu. Okay. Yep. They are, they are getting hitched.
2: Wow. And they both live in
1: Austin. Yep. They both live in Austin. I met Bailey. We lived together in Peru. Wow. wow. Yeah, a couple years ago. My other friend, her and I lived in Peru together in the Amazon. And the other one that lives here, we lived in Spain together. Wow. It it was like everybody just moved to Austin and didn't tell me. (laughs) I'm like, oh, are we all? Is this where we're coming now? Is this what we do?
2: I need to find out some stuff now. So you've lived in Paris. You lived in Spain. You lived in Peru. Where? Ecuador. God. Okay. Favorite place. Coolest experience. Give us some rundown on this Experience of travel that you've been to? Yeah, you've
1: been Iceland.
0: You've lived in really? Iceland. Really, I
1: have not lived there. I've also like traveled quite a bit, but mm-hmm. it was an incredible experience. Amazing coffee. Huh. Everywhere you go, it was like phenomenal music. I was there for New Year's Eve, and they I went on like a booze cruise. What? Wow. And you wear snow suits. <laughs> There's like three hours of daylight, so it's just dark all the time. I saw northern lights, and then they have like all these firework displays from the shore. So when you're out on the boat, you can see it all. Wow. Giant bonfires. And then I went scuba diving between the tectonic plates.
2: Oh, my wow. God. This was in Iceland? Yes. You went scuba diving? Yes. In Iceland?
1: It was Was there wild. ice in the water? They were like, hey, you know, this the water is actually below freezing. And I was like, "Hey, I'm not a scientist, but wouldn't that be an ice cube?" <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they were that, like, "No,
1: no, because it's because the water's salt. moving, it ah. can't." Freeze. Okay. But as soon as you put any piece of equipment in the water, if you were to bring it out, it's just frozen. Wow. And we get in the water, and I had a dry suit on, so it's you know essentially keeps you dry and kind yeah. of warm on the inside. It started right. leaking just down the back, just right oh, on the spine. Oh man! Ooh. I looked at the instructor. I'm like, hey, I'm leaking. She's like, so am I. Let's go.
2: <laughs> oh my <laughs> god!
1: Yes. So. Are we
2: buying Iceland? I can't remember. I know we're trying There's to a different country. Which we're trying to buy some Rashi. place. That's any uh, anyway, I hope that uh, apparently that's not going to go through. No, that's different,
0: what different different. Place uh, different place, Peter, but both are cold.
2: Iceland. Uh, um, uh, What about one hundred eighty thousand people? I mean, Iceland as a country. I don't remember, but not high. Not. Reykjavik is right. the capital. Correct. There's, and, and, there's and, and, a good and answer. Here's what I mean: Reykjavik, and then there's a road that goes all around the there's edge the of the gold, island, the
1: Golden Circle. The I don't Golden know if it's Circle. It's all the way around, okay. but it has like some of the major like, hot spots. And okay. yeah, it was quite the quite the experience. There was only three hours of daylight. I couldn't quite wrap my mind around it. So it was you're like, you're from
2: you, Oregon. That's kind of close. You get that in <gasps> we you know get six
1: hours. now. <laughs> January
2: in Portland. When I moved there, because I moved there from Texas, mm-hmm. it was depressing. It was just over. Cast and dark, and, and, and it was like a sense deprivation tank. The first couple winters I was mm-hmm. there I was not used to <laughs> the fact that, you know, you can't smell anything or hear anything because it's just, you're just in this rain tank. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know... But I love Oregon. I do. absolutely love Oregon. But. We all
0: love Oregon. We, we do. all love Oregon. <laughs> well, we listen, this, uh, this Wait, Friday... Wait, I, I got one no, no, more no, no, question. No, 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 we're, we're not done yet. Oh, okay, I'm just, all right. I'm, all right. Just, framing up, I'm okay. just framing up where we are. All right, where are we? This is uh, Friday ha- Friday Happy Hour, Peter. It's a micropod. That's right. So uh, we have enough time to do one last segment. So, Peter, what you you have a let's do it. Then I'm not
2: sure. Okay, I'm happy to defer, but go my, for it. I'm curious about your your experience in Spain and where were you? And I wanted to hear about that a little bit. All right, uh, is that okay? Is that cool? Well, That's you know, idea.
0: we're doing it. Let's let's hear yeah. about Spain.
2: Tell, Tell we, us about Erica. here we go. Well, okay. I just
1: told my Uber driver all about it on the way over. He should have been part of that car ride.
2: <laughs> we should have recorded it.
1: Yeah, we were doing the whole thing in Spanish. I'm like, here we go. Um, I lived in Mallorca, which is an island just south of Barcelona. Ooh. and so I lived there for two years and I was an English teacher um, during the school year, but I worked for wow. a scuba dive shop during the summer. Really? Um, so, yeah, it was quite the experience.
2: Two years in Mallorca mm-hmm. and, and at a dive shop. What? Tell us about the diving in, in Mallorca. What's the quality of the reefs there? What's the condition of the environment
1: there? Right. So it's, it's amazing because the Mediterranean, especially on that island, there's not a lot of big waves like the Pacific Ocean. It's clear water. Hmm. But there were like no fish. Yeah. Yeah. And I was living at, where I was diving wasn't a marine reserve. And so people could just fish there as much as they wanted. And so I'd hear older people say, oh, I remember when there were sharks here. I remember when there was, you know, Insert here, here. So it's still phenomenal diving. There's a lot of uh, underwater caves that you go in and Hmm. caverns, which like kind of freaks people out, but really incredible. And then on the other side of the island where there was a marine reserve, I did dive there. I got to dive there once and just gigantic groupers that weigh like 200 pounds and seahorses. And um, so really phenomenal diving, but it was interesting to look at. What is the environment like when there is a reserve and when it's protected and when there's not? Yeah. Um, yeah, That was a cool, like, mini experiment.
2: Quite a difference. You know who I think, uh, Erica, you should meet Erica. Erica Woolsey, who was on the podcast at the International Ocean Film Festival we did in San Francisco Mm -hmm. back in uh, April of this year. Erica Woolsey is a diver, uh, Stanford-educated PhD, coral researcher, and does this 3D virtual diving. Uh, stuff and she's incredible and her organization it's called The Hydrus remember her absolutely and uh, we did a show where Tyler was in a VR headset you know because <laughs> it was a 3D VR. you put it on and you were diving under the water uh-huh. it was this whole film that she had done that was a 3D virtual reality thing and the show we did is basically us interviewing Tyler as he's scuba diving it's really yeah. <laughs> but but I would <laughs> encourage you look up Erica Woolsey on the American Hydrus Tril- in the Hydrus I mean, what she's doing is incredible in coral conservation. I mean, Mm -hmm. the the thing that she talked to us about was you know, the the damage that has been to been done to reefs around the world, this international reef die off where 20, 25 percent of the reefs in the world were damaged by climate change and and temperature and ocean acidification. But I mean, it's really kind of a
0: stunning thing. And she's another great show that we did at a live event. You know, we met Erica. We did not plan on uh, doing that interview a month in advance. We showed up to the International Ocean Film Festival and were afforded the opportunity to speak with many great people. Erica was one of them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just yet another example of how, uh, when you go to these events where people come together, um, <laughs> the benefits kind of sneak up on you. I mean, we, yeah. there, there's really no way to, to even plan yeah. or foresee that we would have met her. And it's a, it is, it was a really cool show to do. Uh, i think it's a great show to listen to yeah it was fun for me to be uh doing a podcast with this set on i mean it it, truly an immersive experience um and she's pioneering this as an educational product that she can uh, provide to children around the world who aren't right on the shoreline and who haven't seen the changes in the reefs and it's a it's a way to really show them a this is what it's kind of like to be uh, in in uh, you know diving, but also look around you and see what a healthy reef looks like and feels like. And why is like.
1: worth protecting? Totally. And that's what we struggle with on the Oregon coast. We have five marine reserves, but the water is so dark that from above you have no idea the amount of life going on. So the Department of Fish and Wildlife and all these organizations are trying to do this strong storytelling of what is beneath that water and why should you care about it? Why should we have reserves? why should you protect it? So get in
0: touch with the, uh Erica
2: Woolsey of the Erica, Erica if you bring you're that listening. story to life. Like. she I mean she, it's really spectacular because it because it's 3d so when you're when you're wearing these goggles and you're underwater you can turn all the way around and you can see the entire and here's what else she did they integrated in this if you're swimming over a coral head it will pop up a a, a description of what it is and and wow it's Phenomenal! I, mean, I think what they're doing is really amazing and it's being done through this experimental VR lab at Stanford and it's just superb.
1: Erica, this is Erica, give me a call.
2: Erica yeah. Woolsey <laughs> with the Hydras. Uh, yeah. We have someone who needs your help to talk about marine reserves on the
0: Oregon coast. That's I mean, right. She, All right. So, uh, Peter, we're going to wrap this thing up, wrap this happy hour up. Uh, final thoughts. Peter, do you want to go first? you want Eric to go first? Yeah,
2: let's let Erica go last for the last word. But I just want to say coming into the Fourth, uh, the fourth of July, Labor Day weekend uh, with uh, Hurricane Doreen uh, looming on the Florida coast, I'm really uh, hoping that that uh, dissipates and uh, that all the folks down there in Florida come out of that OK, uh, because it's a, it looks like uh, another one of these storms that is uh, potentially quite dangerous and uh, always a struggle for the folks who get impacted by those things. Erica, final final thought.
1: Hey, Austin, thank you so much for having me this is an amazing city and if you've been living here for a long time and you've forgotten about the magic that you have all around you see you at Barton Springs tonight one of us will be going off the dive the diving board with a one and a halfer, and the other one will have a score a scorecard
2: um, it'll yeah. be
0: a three I, if I could get a four I'd be happy that's right <laughs> it's my technique well I'll tell you what everyone it has been an absolute pleasure uh, doing the past year of uh, the American Shoreline Podcast Network and and I wish everyone has a uh, very fun and uh, a fun-filled weekend here on the American Shoreline. It's definitely one of our hallmark times to get out and enjoy the coast. So do it safely and uh, look forward to another year of doing this kind of thing. Fun content covering the entire spectrum of the coastal conversation right here on the American Shoreline Podcast Network.